wonder if we could turn again in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 1 of the chapter. The Gospel of Matthew, turning to the fourth uh, chapter, and beginning our reading at verse 1 of the chapter. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to me, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and saith him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing again to the reading of his precious and infallible word to our hearts afresh. Let's seek the help of God as we come to his word. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for the opportunity of meeting with thee afresh today. We thank thee for the uh, word of God. We thank thee for these incidents in the life of our Savior and, O oh God, we thank thee for the one who is the overcomer. We have uh, sung that hymn that said, Let in the overcomer, and he will conquer thee. And we thank thee for the one who has overcome uh, sin and death and hell. And we thank thee for the one who overcame temptation that we read off there in the portion of Scripture. Bless us, our God, and we pray that thou wouldst turn us into overcomers, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to spend a couple of weeks over the next little while talking about things that Christians struggle with, things that come into our lives that make it difficult, that make it hard to be a Christian. And those things are sins or things that are apt to bring us into sin, and they cause all sorts of difficulty along the Christian pathway. And of course, perhaps the number one problem that faces the child of God as we go along the pathway of life is the problem of temptation. Somebody said, if we could eliminate temptation, you can eliminate sin. We think of what the writer Oscar Wilde said one time, really making light of sin, when he said, I can resist everything but temptation. 
But temptation has to be resisted by the Christian uh, so that uh, our lives and our testimonies are not damaged, so that we do not cause harm to the cause of Christ or to the work of the church or to our influence amongst others that we walk among. And this is something that the regenerate child of God can do. We can resist temptation. You think of the prayer that was taught by the Lord to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. He said as part of that prayer that is called the Lord's Prayer, he said, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that prayer acknowledges the fact that we can't do this in our own strength. We can't resist temptation by ourselves. But we have the resource of God, and as God's people today, as we lean upon God, we can resist temptation. Now, temptation, of course, of itself is not sinful. It is succumbing to temptation that is sinful. And here in this portion of Scripture, we have the Lord Jesus, and he's led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Of course, he is the holy, sinless, uh, harmless Son of God, the one who could do no sin. And so, in many ways, he's different from us. And he triumphs over sin. But thank God today, as we see him triumph over sin, we get some indication of the way that we can triumph over sin. And I want us just to think about temptation today. I want us to see where it comes from, what it looks like, so that we can be saved from temptation. Because if we succumb to temptation, we are led into all sorts of misery. We're led into all sorts of uh, anxiety in our lives. And as a pastor, that's something that I want to safeguard you from. And you know, and I know, that I'm not talking about something uh, theoretical. I'm not talking about something that is airy-fairy or something that other people are involved in when I'm talking about temptation. We all are tempted day by day. And we think of how the devil has learned enough about human behavior to hit us in some area of our lives where we're likely to succumb. Some people struggle with addictions. It may be addictions to alcohol or to nicotine or to gambling or to drugs or something like that. And you know that that thing has been destroying your life. And you know the awful misery that it has brought into your life. Maybe sometimes we are tempted by sexual sins. Maybe by pornography or uh, by fornication or adultery or something along that line. And of course... That brings us into misery. For at times, sin, of course, brings pleasure. But then there is the misery, and there's the broken relationships, and there is the family breakdowns that take place as a result of those sins. Maybe today it's some kind of business sin that besets you. Maybe times you claim expenses where there are no expenses or you go beyond the boundaries of the allowances that your boss allows you. I heard about somebody recently who has an allowance uh, to fill up his car for business expenses, and he gets his son to pull in, and he fills up his son's car. Now, whether that was true of the individual I heard it of, I don't know. But we think of things like that. All sorts of business said, maybe it's idolatry. Maybe there's somebody in your life. Uh, 
husband, a wife, some family member, some friend that you have on a pedestal. And it has become idolatry or something. Maybe it's business, again. Maybe it is family. Maybe it is something else. Maybe it's a car. Maybe you're looking, some ambition that you have has become an idol to you. And of course, we could go on and mention all sorts, and I couldn't do it because temptation is varied. And what may be temptation to you may not be temptation to me or the other way around. But we are certainly beset by temptations on every side. Now the thing that we want to see today is how can we deal with it? How can we overcome the temptation? The child of God, as we said, is able to resist temptation. And we must resist temptation. This is something that we struggle with every day, every week. And so it's something that is important that we think about for a few minutes today. And first of all, I want you to see the certainty of temptation. Turn with me, if you have your Bible there, over to the book of James, and look at the chapter 1 of the epistle to James, and look at uh, verse 13 of James chapter 1. It says there in James 1 and 13, Let no man say, When he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, Neither tempteth he any man. And James is dealing with the fact that the Lord doesn't tempt any man in that sense. He tests people, but he doesn't tempt them in order to uh, get them to do evil. There's a difference between a test and temptation. But leaving that aside, I want you to see in the verse the inevitability, the certainty of sin. He says, when. He says, let no man say when he is tempted. Not if he is tempted. It is when he is tempted. So there's a certainty there. There's an inevitability about this temptation. And no matter how long anyone has been a Christian or on the walk of faith, we know that we can be tempted to do evil. Matthew Henry, the great commentator, said, the best of saints can commit the worst of sins. Think again of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. And the implication there is that we are all tempted. He was tempted like as we are. And we think again of how the Lord taught the disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation, because it's something that we face day by day. And of course we can see that in the Bible. Abram lied about his wife. Sarah lied to God and laughed at God. You think of Lot who compromised in Sodom. You think of Jacob who cheated on his brother. You think of David who committed adultery and then got into murder to cover up his tracks. You think of Peter who denied the Lord. You think of Jonah who ran away from God. You think of all of the disciples who uh, forsook the Lord and all of these different men. And we're not saying that to discourage you. We're saying that rather to see that this is something that is common, but it is something that uh, can happen to us. If it happened to them, it can happen to us. And we need to guard ourselves. We need to be like the Apostle Paul, who said that he guarded himself, lest by any means he himself should be a castaway. So we need to guard 
against temptation. We can never eliminate it totally. There was a man of God many years ago who thought that if he could live 20 years overcoming temptation, that he, at the end, would be free of temptation. Of course, he had to admit in the end that he was wrong because if he had been able to live 20 years overcoming temptation, which he couldn't do, he was going to have new temptations every day. That's why that hymn that says, each victory that will help you some other to win is not strictly true because we can win the victory one day and we can be right down in the very midst of the succumbing to temptation the next day. And so we see that there is the certainty of temptation. Now notice in the portion of Scripture, the sufferer of temptation. In Matthew chapter 4 here, it is the spotless, sinless Son of God. And as we say, there are many things here, of course, that are not true of us. We can't compare the Lord. He could do no sin, and he was able to uh, stand against the temptation. But as we look at the Lord Jesus here in the midst of his temptation, there are many things that we can see about the tactics of the devil that will help us as we face it day by day. And the first thing that you can see here is the fact that the devil comes to tempt the Lord just after a time of blessing. Now, the time when the devil comes to tempt the Lord is after the time when the Lord Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan. And you remember how the dove had descended uh, in the Holy Spirit had descended in the form of the dove and there would have been the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and they're united together and there is this great triumph that takes place. Right after that, the devil comes to tempt the Lord. Now, the devil had no hope of ever getting the Lord to succumb. But you can see the way that he has learned how oftentimes, after times of triumph or times when we've stood or times of blessing, that that's the time to attack God's people when we're off guard. He knows enough not to come when we're on guard, when things are tough and when things are hard and when we are looking out for the obstacles and the tripwires that may trip us up along the way, We're not going to be as easily fooled. But just after the time of blessing, when we think that everything's going well and everything is filled with uh, uh, the the sea is calm and we're sailing on as swift as we can and the wind is blowing, that's the time when the devil often comes to bring the temptation. And perhaps today we need to recognize that. The devil is uh, not interested in the compromising Christian. The devil is interested in the child of God who's going to do something. The devil's not interested in the dead church. The devil is interested in the church that's going to do something. And that's where the devil will hit, and that's where the devil will come. Where there are those godly people, that's what the devil wants to neutralize. That's where the devil wants to hit. He's not concerned about those that are compromising, not concerned about the child of God that's sailing on and looking like the world and doing the things that the world is doing. He's not, in, he's not uh, concerned about that because he's got them already succumbing to the temptation. 
But when we're seeking to do something for God, and when we're instant in the place of prayer, and when we are seeking God upon our knees and crying unto God for the salvation of souls and seeking to reach out for others, that then is when the devil will come and seek to disrupt and seek to insert the different uh, antagonisms or uh, some kind of uh, dispute, and he will come with the temptation right In the midst of that, you'll notice too that not only did the devil come with temptation just after the time when the Lord had been blessed, but in the days when he was weak, weak physically I mean by that, he hadn't eaten, he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights. He'd been fasting in the wilderness and therefore he was physically weak. And again, the devil had no, uh, no uh, there, there was no possibility that he was going to overcome the Lord Jesus, even though he was bodily weak. But you can see the devil's tactics. How often he comes when we're weak, when we're sick, when we are tired, when we have uh, had a long day, when things, trials have come. That's when the devil comes. He says, is it worth it? Is it worth it? My all the labor that you go through, all of the things that are happening when you're weary, when you're sick. That's why when you're sick, when you're down, when you're depressed or in some kind of situation like that, you don't make major decisions because out of the weakness, the devil comes and inserts the doubts and becomes and fires the fiery darts that he does. And we think of the time when we are weak, maybe physically weak, maybe sick, sickness has come, difficulties have come into your life, and that's when the devil will come with his greatest temptations. How often it is that when people are depressed, they go to what is a pet sin, because when they're weak, that's when the devil comes with his greatest temptations. And then you'll see something else about the time when the devil comes. He comes in the time of loneliness. Do you see here that the Lord Jesus had been alone for this period of time, 40 days and all, in the wilderness, and he'd been alone? And again, the devil had no no, um, possibility of getting the Lord Jesus Christ to succumb. But you can see what he's thinking, what he has done before, what he does all the time. When we are feeling lonely, when we're alone, when we feel as if nobody else cares, when we feel as if we're going through the situation and nobody else can help us, that's the time when the devil comes with his temptation and he says, is it worth it? That's why we need to be together. It's another reason why we... uh, come together as God's people, why we fellowship together, because the Bible says that as iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. When we meet together, we strengthen one another, we help one another, we teach one another, and we safeguard ourselves from the temptation of the devil. When we're alone, the temptation can be strongest. When we're alone at home, when we're alone in the workplace, when we're alone wherever it may be, that's 
When we think we're alone and nobody's watching, that's, of course, when the temptation comes. But not only do we see the uh, suffer of the temptation, but I want you to see the source of the temptation. And we see here that it says in verse 1, Then was Jesus laid up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, I want you to see the reality of the devil here. There are many who would want to dismiss the devil as a figment of the imagination or the gospel writers. Um, just he was making this uh, sort of a literally, literary device, and it was not real. But I want you to see that the Lord Jesus accepts the devil as real, and he meets the devil here in this portion of Scripture, and the devil is a real foe. And we have an infernal foe, a foe who will stand against us, a foe who will seek to trip us up. And he's a strong foe. He's a mighty foe. He's not almighty. He is not omnipotent or omniscient or anything like what the Lord is. But nevertheless, he's been around a long time. He has learned a few things. And he uh, has many mantras that he would seek to impose upon us. You think of the mantra that the young people have gone by for many years now. If it feels good, do it. Where does that mantra come from? It comes straight from the devil. It comes straight from his demons and from the realms of the devil himself. We have many rules that we need to go by. There are rules of nature. We don't live very long until we come across the rule or the law of gravity. And as soon as we start to stand up, or even if we're left on a seat when we were small and we'd come to the point where we were able to rule over, and maybe we ruled off the seat where it was and we came across the, rule, the law of gravity, and we learned that we need to compensate or we need to obey the law of gravity or we need to take account of the law of gravity. And so it is with the laws of God. We need to make sure that we keep those laws. We need to uh, make sure that we um, uh, do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery, honor our father and mother. Because when we disregard any of those things, we find that it is misery for us at the end of the day. It brings us into misery and it brings us into bondage. So we see something here of the source of the temptation. It's the devil. The devil's real. And we need to put on the armor of God that we are told about in Ephesians chapter 6. And we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice too, not only the sufferer of the temptation and the source of the temptation, but look at the severity of the temptation. You'll notice that the devil is using every wile, every trick in the book. He knows the way to get people to succumb. He's trying this on the Lord Jesus Christ who cannot and will not come uh, succumb. But you'll notice how the devil comes as an angel of light. You'll notice that he comes at the end of the last temptation and he quotes scripture. He tells the Lord that uh, the, uh, the, uh, he, the Lord will, will give us angels charge over him. And he comes quoting the, the Bible, comes quoting scripture. And the devil can do that. 
And you know that the devil doesn't come. He doesn't come with something that's obvious. Sometimes he might. He might try that. But usually he doesn't come with something that's so obvious that we're not going to succumb to that. He comes with something that is dressed up in a veneer of religion or something that we need to debate about. You know there that um, when the uh, devil comes and tempts the Lord to turn stones into bread, you'll find that in many of the commentaries that the commentators never deal with the question with what is wrong with turning stones into bread. The Lord was hungry. The Lord needed to be fed. The Lord had the power to change stones into bread. Remember how he had in the, um, the uh, parable or the, the time when the Lord Jesus, well, not a parable, but when the Lord Jesus had taken the five loaves and the few small fish and had fed 5,000 people and so on. How the Lord had brought, as it were, food out of nothing. So we say, what's wrong with this? Well, what is wrong with it actually is the fact that all of the things that the Lord Jesus did, all of the miracles that he did were pointing forward to Calvary and were pointing forward to his mission. Now, what the devil was tempting the Lord to do here was for his own purposes. It's completely different from anything else. This was for his selfish purposes. And so the Lord was not willing to give in to this temptation to to turn stones into bread. But the point is this. So many people can't tell you why it was wrong to turn stones into bread. And that's the point. It was a subtle temptation. It was one, if we weren't thinking about it, we would readily give way to. And yet here is the devil, and he comes with his temptations, and he seeks to undermine us, and he comes with wiles, and he comes uh, with all of his uh, powers and with all of his subtlety to try and get below the surface and try and get us into a path where we succumb to temptation. And we think of the temptations of the Lord. Now, I've only got to my first point in this sermon. I think we're going to have to come back to it because I haven't got to the point where, what, we, what do we do with overcome, how to overcome temptation? What did the Lord do? Well, we want to think about that, and we haven't come to think about that. But what have we learned today? Well, we have learned that the devil comes with subtlety. We have learned that the devil will come when we least expect it, he will come to hit us maybe even at our strongest point. He will come with every while that he can. He will come maybe when we're sick, when we're weak. He'll come when we're lonely. He will come with every temptation. And so, at least today, maybe we can learn to look out for those things. We can plead the precious blood of Christ You think of those words again that the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And obviously that's something that we can pray every day and something that we can bring to the Lord so that he can, uh, as it were, uh, stabilize us and put that backbone into us 
and put an iron bar up our back, as it were, to steel us against the temptations of the devil. But this is perhaps the number one thing that benights Christians day by day. And maybe I'm speaking to you today, and it's something that's benighting you, something that you're facing every day, every week. Every one of us are facing this every week. Maybe you're particularly going through a time of temptation. Oh, look to the Lord today and say, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the opportunity of coming to thee today. We haven't learned many of the lessons that we want to learn today, but Lord, we thank thee that we have learned about the subtlety of the devil and how he comes very often at the times when we least expect, and the times when we're weary, when the times that we're down. No, God, we recognize the temptations that come day by day. Lord, we would say, as thou dost teach us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us, O God, to stand for thee, having done all to stand, clad in the armor of God. Bless thy word, write it upon our hearts. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Can we turn to the hymn 556? We never need be vanquished. We never need give in. Though waging war with Satan, encompassed round by sin, temptations will beset us, allurements of the seal. But in the name of Jesus, we shall, we must prevail. And we'll sing the first and the last verses of this hymn, verses 1 and 4, and we'll stand as we sing. Gracious Father, we pray that thou wast enable us uh, to overcome. We need to let in the overcomer, and we pray that thou wast uh, bless each one of us 
as we seek to stand for thee in this day. Part us in thy fear, with thy blessing take us to our homes and safety. Be with us throughout this day. Bless us tonight as we gather again to worship thee. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.